Welcome back to another English Encore podcast episode. I am joined by my co-host, Zach Hamill. How are we doing today, Zach? Hey, man. Just watching March Madness. Same old. Yeah, you know, it's been a busy few weeks of basketball since the last time we talked. Obviously, as you just mentioned, March Madness is going on right now as I'm seeing my survivor pool go to basically crap because I had to pick Oregon State because I had no other teams left. And they are currently getting blown out by Houston. But other than that, you know, NBA deadline, trade deadline did not disappoint. Um, I think the NBA deadline is like the most fun trade deadline in all of sports because I think like until the day of, like it's all just rumors. And then up until like the final hour, the exact day of the deadline, just deals after deals. Like NFL hockey is like, I feel like there's deals here and there. And then a few big deals like on the day of NBA is just, Full blown Woj and Shams bombs everywhere. Yeah, it's a it's a day where you're refreshing your phone more than anything. It's um, you know, you can you can if, if, even if like huge guys like Bradley Beal don't go, you'll you'll usually see some surprises like Vucevic and stuff like that that makes the day pretty exciting. Yeah, and I mean, you and me were texting back and forth pretty frequently. Um, you know, I was kind of sweating it out the last couple hours because Duncan Robinson's name was thrown around for a while. You obviously know my love for the Heat and Duncan Robinson. He was reportedly the piece that was being offered up for uh, Kyle Lowry. Lowry ends up not getting moved at all. The Heat refused to move uh, Tyler Hero in that trade as well. And then Shams reported that the Lakers weren't willing to move on from Horton Tucker, which I found um, very interesting. I don't know what your thoughts on that were and Lowry just staying in general. Oh, it's. I mean, it seemed like they were clearing out space for like a four, four for one kind of thing. You know, they got rid of like their eleventh uh, and twelfth guys right before three o'clock. I think we all expected him to go at least somewhere. Um, I get it though. You know, I think you would. I think you really would have helped the team raise raise their ceiling to championship contender, whether it was Philly or Miami. But you know, now Toronto can um, sign and trade in the summer and usually get a lot back. You know, that way they can. You know, teams can match salary and stuff like that, and they can probably get a better return. And it seems, you know, it's not like a, one of those one of those situations where they're on bad terms, and he has to get out of there. Um, you know, they they seem like, they seem to like each other and, and get along. So I don't think like it's not going to be like an awkward rest of the year. You know what I mean? Since he didn't leave. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised Lowry didn't get moved, but at the end of the day, I think there's a good relationship there. Um, you know, I got to attend my first pro game in over a year last week um, with the Raptors um, and the Nuggets. And, you know, it could have been Lowry's last game. It ended up not being. Um, It would have been nice if the Denver Nuggets actually showed up that night to play basketball. But it was definitely a wild atmosphere to just, like, walk into an arena and be only one of a few thousand people and there's no lines for anything. It was definitely a surreal experience. So hopefully we'll get um, fans back in soon. But – Overall, the trade deadline, what few teams or maybe just trades in general really um, stood out to you? Or were there any moves that didn't get made or teams that weren't very active that you were kind of surprised didn't um, get in on some more trades? Um, well, I, I mean, the Chicago thing stands out. I think I'm excited to see how they work it out for the rest of the year because I've been saying for years now, you know, if Zach Levine's your best player, you're probably not going anywhere. And I think they know that. So I kind of appreciate them not standing pat. And, like, you know, there's so much of these teams either want to be, like, a championship contender or tank. 
and I appreciate Chicago just being like, let's get a little bit better right now, you know? And, um, you know, that's a really – Levine now has a really, really good pick-and-roll partner, pick-and-pop partner. And then they made some other small moves to, like, round out the rest of their roster. Like, I think their top six went – it got a lot better than it was a couple of days ago. Um, they were just kind of middling in limbo. And it's not like I, anyone thinks they're going to win the championship now, but they become a little bit more of a destination. And I think, um, you know, I think they'll be a more fun team for at least for sure for the rest of the year. Yeah, I completely agree. I honestly was a little surprised that Vucevic got moved. I felt like that was one of the names that you didn't hear a ton about. You know, it was kind of rumored around, but nothing really stuck until, you know, that was kind of really the first, you know, brick to drop on the trade deadline day. Um, like you said, I think they did a good job. You know, they got rid of Otto Porter. Um, they bring in Troy Brown Jr. Um, and they also get um, they also got Daniel Tice, I believe, from the Celtics, and Mo Wagner goes there. Um, after he yeah, was, was they're supposed to go to the Bulls, so that was kind of a little weird, but I think that actually worked out pretty well. Um, in the Bulls case, I actually really liked, and it's kind of like a really underlying couple of deals that I don't think. A lot of people think are very significant, but I think it helps both these teams right now. And that was George Hill going to the 76ers and then the Mavericks picking up J.J. Redick. A couple older veteran guys that, you know, are going to be able to step right in. You know, we've talked about how much the Mavericks have missed Seth Curry. Not that J.J. Redick's the same player he was, but it's definitely a big uptick in getting, you know, a good three-point shooter with Luka. And they also get Melly in that deal. Um, and then, you know, George Hill being able to provide some, you know, nice minutes for Ben Simmons to either play off the ball a little more or just get some good minutes, um, I think is a really good uh, trade. So just a few trades. I don't know what your thoughts on those few moves by those teams are. Yeah, I think um, the George Hill thing was huge for Philly because they didn't have to throw a ton into it to get it like they would have had to do for Lowry. And I think their backup one has been a problem now for a while. Um, like, I think Shake Milton's more of a two guard. And Hill can, you know, close games in that Curry spot if they want to go with a defensive lineup or, you know, he can lead your second unit they can, when they want to rest guys. And um, he's just really solid. I don't think – I mean, I obviously don't think the Thunder were that invested in running him out every night for 35 minutes. So I think you'll see him, you know, more impactful. And then back – you mentioned it real real quick, but um, I don't really know what the hell the Celtics are doing. I don't know if they thought they had somebody coming in the buyout market or to play to play the five. But that was their thinnest position already. And then they trade Jamie Othese just to get under the uh, luxury tax. And now it's Robert Williams and no one. And Williams has made strides, but I don't think, he, you know, I don't think that's a guy that is a championship five. So I'm just kind of confused as to what they're playing. I don't know if they're punting on the year because, you know, Fournier is a nice bench piece, I guess. But I don't know how that much moves. Like they already have all the scoring they need at their, on the perimeter. Yeah, and I don't think, like you said, I mean, the only other big that they really have that's impactful is Tristan Thompson, but he's nothing special. I mean, he's a guy that'll get you, you know, eight and eight off the bench or maybe 10 and 12 when he starts. But yeah, I mean, Evan Fournier is a really good player. I mean, we've talked about him in the past, but for a team that already has, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, um, I know Jeff Teague's not there anymore, but I mean, they have some young guys on their bench, um, Pritchard from Oregon, who they got. Um, has been playing pretty well for them. So it wasn't really a huge need, I guess, like you said, if he's coming off the bench and they just want some more scoring, like, I guess that helps. But, I mean, Mo Wagner is definitely a downgrade to Daniel Tice. I mean, I know he's younger and probably has some more upside, but um, I just really think that's a questionable um, move. Um, I think the big deal 
um, obviously was right pretty much at the buzzer um, of the deadline. That was Victor Oladipo going to the Heat. And I think, if anything, the I think the even bigger deal than just Oladipo is Houston looks so bad just from the perspective of the amount of, like, other offers they had originally for Harden and then, like, how dumb they are for not keeping Karis LeVert and then they just flip Oladipo for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 first-round pick, I believe it was, or a pick swap, which means absolutely nothing, as we've seen. The Heat literally do not care um, or give a crap about a single draft pick. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. Miami's been playing pretty bad lately. They had that nice, like, 9 out of 10 game win streak, um, and now they've lost, I want to say, five straight. Um, You know, Hero's been playing a little bit better. Jimmy's been banged up. He came back last game against the Hornets. Um, and then obviously they didn't have Oladipo or Mialica available, um, who I think is actually going to help them with the Olenek uh, spot leaving. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting fit. Also allow Miami to get a gauge on Oladipo because he's obviously going to be a free agent in the summer if that's a the guy they want to bring back, see how he flows on the Heat training staff. Obviously the best probably in the league, if not up there with the Spurs. Um, so they'll get a good idea about his health and everything. But yeah, I think just the Rockets look so bad in this situation. Yeah, I mean, Jared Allen started going crazy, too, for the Cavs right away. I mean, they, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I don't know if it was just, you know, I don't, you never know what rumors to believe, but it seemed like there were enough of them that I'm pretty sure you can say that they declined Ben Simmons. And if that was just because they didn't want to deal with Daryl Murray after leaving, I mean, I think that's, you know, you run a billion-dollar program here. I don't think you can hold a grudge when it comes to that situation. And he might not win it, but Harden's been the MVP this year. I mean – you know, or, or one of the top three. I don't know. You can nitpick if you'd like to, but like they just uh, if you're a Houston fan, I mean they better they better get a top two pick in the draft. If they don't if they fall out of the lottery or not fall out of it, but you know what I mean. I think it's like six or seven. Man, I don't know. I I might be switching teams if I'm a Rockets fan. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if they don't get a top three pick and get, you know, either Cade, Suggs, Mobley, whoever it may be, even Jalen Green. Um, I think that's a huge loss for them, especially if they did decline a Ben Simmons trade, like you said. Um, I, I think mean, Zach, I mean, Zach Lowe said they could have had him the other day. So I mean, yeah. I, if anyone, if there's anyone I trust, it's him. Yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think he has bad sources. So, you know, I, I think you got to get when a player is that good, it's hard. And you know, he's not Aaron Gordon. You, you can't just take picks and hope with him. You got to get something back to to hold you over. I mean, Simmons is an all star. He'll Simmons will probably be all NBA this year. Yeah, and I think, like you said, I think James Harden right now, uh, if, you know, going to head, who's going to win the MVP, I probably would say Harden, even though it kills me to say that because I don't like him as a player. He has been the best player. I do think once KD and Kyrie and them get healthy, and we'll talk about, you know, the additions of Griffin and Aldridge in a a little bit, but um, I think once those players come back, um, I think it'll be a little bit tougher if, as long as he plays the same level, I think he'll probably still have a good chance to win it. But if, you know, because LeBron being out, if Dame keeps doing what he's doing and they can stay in that four to six slot, he's got a good chance, I think. Um, Giannis has been playing a lot better. Jokic, I mean, if MB can come back sooner rather than later, his name's still right there. Um, and then you kind of just mentioned the Nuggets. It's another little trade we kind of forgot about. Also, completely side note, how funny was it that all three Garys in the NBA got traded? on a trade deadline day. Um, that was really funny. But I think um, the Nuggets, uh, I actually really like that trade for them. And I think Orlando got, you know, a decent amount back, at least in some young players to 
build around with Jonathan Isaac and Fultz once they're healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, Gordon just gives them that Jeremy Grant back that they lost, which I think really – I don't think any of us expected that to be as big of an impact as it was. Like, And Porter's made the jump this year. So, if they – like, they don't – I think Orlando needed more from him than he can give you, Gordon, especially offensively. But he's really athletic. I think this is a good spot for him. Like, you said, like Jokic is – such a good passer from the elbow and from like the top of the key that all you really got to do is be in the dunker spot and cut. If you're Gordon, um, you know, there's, they have shot creation everywhere. They need people, they need help stopping people. And um, it makes me just make me think though, like we've been hearing his name for like three years, you know, we're getting traded. And, and then once he says, I, all right, I want out of here. I think like, I think they could have got a much, um, excuse me, a much better return last year for him. And, like, they clearly weren't going anywhere last year either. So it makes me think of Beal, and I'm not – don't get confused. I'm not saying that they're in the same class of player. But the Wizards are not going to be in contention in the next two or three years unless something crazy happens or unless they hit, like, on a draft pick at 10 that none of us see coming. So I think they really have to consider moving him before he – because once he says, I want out, I'm demanding a trade, all these teams that will stop giving anything of value for him. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, I like you said, I think the longer they hold on to Beal, it's a mistake. Just because like they've been playing better since they got Russ, and I think Russ has been okay there, but he's definitely not like a long term point guard answer. And like they want to keep building around Bradley Beal, but they really haven't brought in any like they just br- haven't brought in any like young up and coming talent that you're going to think like, oh, two, three years from now, um, you know, they're going to be better. Like, it's not like they have a Jalen Brown who flashed some nice things in his rookie year and they they were like, oh, in a few years this guy's going to be really good and you're seeing what him and Tatum are now. Like, Rui Hachimura is a nice player, but I don't think he's going to ever be, a, you know, 20 and 10 guy. Like, they need to get a guy that's like a young – like, if Hachimura was a younger Kevin Love where you saw it right away, a guy that could – average 20 and 10 in the front court it'd be a different story but they just don't have I mean anything I mean Russ is way up there in age as far as point guards go and they don't really have any young players I mean they just traded Troy Brown Jr their only other you know higher pick they've had in the last few years so I just really don't know what the Wizards are doing and like you said I think in the offseason they should definitely look at that I'm sure Miami Boston um, even the Lakers and Clippers are probably going to explore looking at him, and I'm sure every other team should look at him. Um, it's definitely just a really interesting scenario, and I think, like we just talked about, if Gordon, like you said, if he would have got traded last year when he was playing at, I think, more of a borderline all-star level than he was this year, I think they would have gotten a lot more from him than they did. Um, not to say that R.J. Hampton and Gary Harris, if he's healthy, can't turn into something nice for them and be good contributors, but um, right now I think Denver definitely got the better end of the deal. I mean, just being at that game, they didn't have anyone behind Millsap to come in and really be that guy. And now they can kind of split those minutes up between them, put them both on the floor at the same time. And like you said, give Jokic more guys that are just going to the rim and can dunk, oop, whatever he wants. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just think, I think Beal and Westbrook are, are too good to make it, to get you really in the mix for the t- a top pick. And then you're going to keep drafting guys like Rui who are fine. But those are role players. You're not gonna. You're not getting anything more than that if you're picking at ten every year. And they're not gonna. They're not better than they're. You know, at best, they can weasel their way into the play-in tournament, I guess. But I still don't even think that's gonna happen. 
I just like, you know, they didn't want to piss off their fans. I get that. I think their fans are pissed off though. You know, I think that's safe to say either way. So you gotta, you gotta bite the bullet sometimes. And like, you know, Beal's numbers are so good because they suck. You know, if he goes to a good team, he's going to be back to like a 22 point game guy, which, you know, I think that's fine. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. He's not one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, I think, like I think he's a, I think you could win a championship with him if he's your second option to like a elite player, like a Durant or a LeBron. Right. But yeah, yeah. That's what I agree with. Like they, they're acting like he's like a cornerstone for, you know, a 20 year career as your guy in, in your contention every year. It's just obviously not going to happen. It's not like he's still young. He's on his third contract, second contract, something like that. Yeah. Um, quick, just tip of the cap question. Do you think they would have a better or worse record this year if they would have kept John Wall instead of Russell Westbrook? Oh, I don't know. Russ hasn't been that bad. I think Wall's still kind of playing himself back into finding his uh, his groove. So I I don't know. A couple of games either way. What do you why? What do you think? Uh, I I don't like Russ has been really good lately. It was just the beginning stretch of the year where he was just stat chasing and like I think he's finally settled in, but. Wall's been, like, consistently good all year. I mean, granted, the Rockets suck, and they've lost, I don't even know, probably 19 of their last 20 or something. Did you think of the game the other day? Yeah, they, they, uh, it was against the Timberwolves, right? They were up by, like, 17, and the Timberwolves went on, like, a 19-0 run and didn't allow them to score the last, like, eight minutes of the game or something wild like that. Yeah, it's like – it's they weren't, but it's like – it looked like they were shaving points. Like, I, I don't even know how that's possible, how the ball doesn't – how you don't get, like, fouled, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, 22, kinda... it's a 20, 22 nothing run, and it's not like you're playing against the Lakers, you know? It's, yeah, Timberwolves. <laughs> yeah. Um, were there any teams that stood out to you that didn't make a move, or maybe made a small trade that you just? I mean, I know we kind of talked about the Celtics a little bit, because to me, I look at the Clippers, and I really just didn't understand the Rajon Rondo move at all, personally. Yeah, um, I like it for Atlanta. You know, they're playing better. You, I guess Lou Williams can't hurt. And Rondo had nothing to do with their turnaround. So, um, good for Atlanta. For I think they got picks, too. I don't know. Yeah, they I got two second-round picks, yeah. Yeah, so I guess the, the Clippers are really banking on Rondo starting to try again. I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. This guy can be like, you know, I'm not going to try unless we get to the playoffs, and then I'll try really hard. I, I mean – on one hand, it's impressive. On the other hand, it's like kind of pathetic. I just don't. I don't know how many times you can count on him doing that. I mean, watch watch him go absolutely nuts in the playoffs again, and then we all look like we all look stupid. But I don't know. I would just kind of, if I was just any of his teammates, even on the team he went to and started playing well, I'd be kind of pissed off. Well, I just think if you look at that locker room, just the point guard room alone, him, Patrick Beverly, and Reggie Jackson just does not seem like a good dynamic. And I think it's a little bit different with. I think Rondo had like a respect for guys like LeBron, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard, who they've kind of like all not so much Anthony Davis, but LeBron and Howard, as far as like, you know, been through it, they've been to the finals have kind of paid their dues. I just feel like, I don't know if Rondo's going to have the same respect to uh, Paul Kawhi as he did for LeBron. I don't know if it sounds like a little like too much, but I, I that's just personally how I feel about it. There's just not really like a leader on the team. They never have had one. It's never been Kawhi's thing. You know, Paul George vanishes in the playoffs every year, and he seems like he's got he's not the mentally strongest guy, to put it nicely. And then 
you know, even Marcus Morris, who thinks he's the best player on the team. It's just they they would have been a team that would have really, really been helped by, I think, a guy like Lowry. And, yeah. like, Rondo goes into the Lakers last year, like you said, and they, they just weren't going to put up with any bullshit. So, I think, you know, I like, I see you see the Clippers, like, walk to the bench and walk off the – they just don't seem like a team. They seem like a collection of really good players. Yeah. Um, I think the – is it me or did – I honestly don't know if Portland got better by adding Norman Powell. Like to I me, I think they did a little bit, but I don't. I don't. I feel like I would. I would have hung on to Trent though, just because he he has a really cheap deal and you had him for two more years. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like my thought was, you know, Powell is is. I'd say Powell is the better of those three players for sure, but I think you know Gary Trent's not that far off from him on a cheaper deal, and not only do you lose Gary Trent, but you lose another valuable bench piece in Rodney Hood, which we saw you know, a few years ago when they didn't have Hood because of injury and then they didn't have Seth Curry on the bench anymore. Like, Portland really needed that in the playoffs. And I just think that's another – like, I know Powell did really well in his debut the other night, but I just don't know how much that really helps them. And I thought Portland could have added another defensive player because obviously they still go with the theory of they're just going to try to outscore everyone, which works most nights because Dame and CJ have been unreal their whole careers. But – um, you know, when they're playing these top teams in the West, they need some defensive anchors. And I think Jones Jr. and Covington have done a nice job, but the center position, I think, is still lacking. I mean, and it's nice that Nurkic is back now, and I think that's going to help them because, as you said, I think 100 times on um, the podcast, like for some reason, whenever he plays, they just find ways to win games. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, that's the weird thing is that they're so similar. They're such similar guys. I mean, they traded him for like a defensive guard or something like that that would have switched up what they needed it would have been a little bit middle of a more sense but they basically like did one of those nba 2k trades where you like screw it through throw a bunch of stuff around to move up your like 82 to an 84 you know what i mean yeah like, it's 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 just i don't know i i don't i just think they need they need, they need help stopping guys from getting right to the rim whenever they want yeah um so that was pretty much it for free and see however there was some buyout news in the past few weeks. So Blake Griffin is now a net. LaMarcus Aldridge, who was bought out by San Antonio Spurs, who was originally favored to join the Miami Heat, which I was super hyped about, ends up also going to Brooklyn, which really pissed me off. And now Andre Drummond, who uh, <laughs> it was funny when you texted me, went on a whole free agency tour and then decided to sign with the Lakers, I want to say, either today or yesterday. So he's going to join the Lakers. So it seems like we're kind of getting souped up for a Nets-Lakers finals, but I can't tell you how much I hate these players going to these teams. And, like, I understand there's there's a level of ring chasing to me, and I get it from, like, when the Warriors had KD, LeBron, or excuse me, KD, Steph, and Clay. And they add a few older guys like um, I want to say uh, West, who was on the Pacers. Um, you know, Iguodala was there before, and I'm trying to think of some other guys that they act not nearly the degree that's happening now. Where it just seems like all these older players who were a few years ago at the end of their prime, who can still give you a lot of production, like the Griffins, Alders of the world, they're just signing with the Nets or the Lakers, and I don't know why, but it just bothers me so much. Right, and the thing with the, those Warriors guys is they did it before the season started. They they said before the year, I'm going to take 
a two million like David West took a two million dollar contract to do that, and they, he actually made a sacrifice. Depending on if you think it's cheap or not, he did. Like these guys going now are still getting all their money, and they're going to go these teams anyway. Like in some situations where like Blake, you know, Blake gets signs a five year deal with the Clippers and they trade him right away to Detroit. I kind of get it, but the hard cap is in place so that the Nets would not be able to trade for Blake and Aldridge and, and uh, whoever else they're buying out in the same year. They need to do something about it where like if teams are going to keep doing because teams can get them off their books. I guess if you have the money to spend, you can do it, but they need to limit it to like one guy each or something like that because like there's just no way in the world that two months ago the, the Nets could have figured out a way to trade for any of these guys. And now it's just like they don't give up any of the money. I mean, they get back like $5 million out of 60 and then they sign a $500,000 deal. And I get why other teams get pissed off by it. You know, it's, it's just like, um, it like kills the middle class of the league. Yeah. And I think my other biggest pet peeve of like why I don't like this. And it's honestly just been driven by social media posts. I've been seeing cause everyone's like, Oh, like the warriors got all these good players or, you know, the heat back when they got like all these good guys. And I'm like, no, like they didn't. Like if you look at the Warriors, first and foremost, Steph Clay and them were like original draft picks that they built up. Andre Iguodala was a player that they brought in to be a veteran that was like there beforehand. Like you said, Wes and them signed in the offseason, the Sean Livingston's of the world. Like even like the Heat way back, like when they got the like the baddies, the Richard Lewis's of the world, those weren't really guys that were just like bought out and like added and like those guys were way more past their primes than you know Aldridge and Drummond and Blake Griffin are and I get it from the perspective of like I think Blake was quoted saying you know you've been telling me I suck for two years and now like people are like oh like you're you know selling out you're becoming a super team this and that which like I guess to his defense I understand that because people have been telling him he sucked for two years and it shouldn't be that big of a deal but like you just said, all these middle teams like the, you know, the Portlands, the Mavericks, um, the Knicks, even in the Hornets this year and the Hawks, like they're missing out on guys like this because the teams like the Lakers and Nets can just go out and grab all these superstar players because of the buyouts. Yeah, whether they do like they should do something like where the team that signs them has to pay in the luxury tax for the salary that they're that they were just like they like if they're gonna let them sign the guy anyway, the team should have to pay for the contract. And that should be like a way that you get over the cab or something like that. Because for the Nets to only have to give these guys five hundred grand and have no risk at all, it's like why wouldn't they do it? And they can and it's kinda of, and it's also one of those things that before the season they can be like, eh, we don't need to do that right now. You know, we don't have to we don't have to fix that right now. We can wait till this guy gets bought out and and like that that immediately starts agents just whispering like, hey, you know, to Drummond and whoever else you know, get pissed off. Say you say you want to trade all this stuff, and then uh, the team that they're on, like the Cleveland Cleveland kind of has no choice. And um, you can just tell that there's like whispers and tampering going on way before any of this stuff starts. It's just it's I, I and like enough people are pissed off about it. I like, do think they'll look at it. I just don't know how to fix it without like um, getting rid of guaranteed money, which I they, I don't want them to do that either. Yeah, I wonder if maybe you can even do like a you. Almost like how the NFL does it, where you get like comp picks, like they give a pick back if you get a player in the buyout market, and like you have certain incentives, you know, if like because 
Aldridge and Blake Griffin are obviously now joined the Nets, and now they're obviously going to go into the playoffs and potentially win an NBA championship. Well, maybe now the, they should have to give up like two second round picks or something in the next few years just to like try to, like you said, just try to find new ways to avoid that type of situation. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, or like give them a trade exception or something like that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's close the show with some NCA hoops. Um, just, I want to get your general thoughts on what you've seen in both the men's and women's tournament, the biggest surprise you've seen, and just your general thought on who you think is going to win it all. Um, I mean, Baylor's been playing really well, but I still, I still don't think anyone can touch Gonzaga. They have, um, you know, they, they, Suggs and Kisper, who are both looked, I, can, I was surprised that Kisper is like seven in some mock drafts. But I guess that shows you how where the NBA is going. Um, I love Suggs. I, I if Suggs is better than Cunningham next year, it's not going to shock me. Um, and then they got my man Timmy down low, who on any night could be their best player. I just think they're too deep. And then you know they go they go, you know the other two starters, and then they go pretty far into their bench with studs too. They're just Gonzaga's never been this star star driven. I don't think. And. Um, you know, I just, I just don't think any team's going to get to them. If, if anyone does, it's Baylor, though, because, um, you know, they're known as a three-point shooting team. The other day, they didn't even, they didn't shoot well at all, and they still just won it with defense. I think they both have a, have a uh, step up on everybody else. Yeah, I really like the way Arkansas's team is built. They're also just a super fun team to watch. I feel like they have you on the edge of your seat every single time they play. Um, I thought that shot against Oral Roberts for sure was going in. Like that ball hugging the air so long, and when it went out of his hand, I thought like for sure yeah, that was good. going in. I look, look good. Um, so I really like Arkansas. Like I don't think they're going to win by any. Time. I think Gonzaga is easily a favorite. Honestly, I was impressed yesterday by Michigan because I feel like before the tournament started, Michigan was viewed as one of the lower or like one of the if not the lowest one seed, just because of the injury um they had. And, like, I feel like they weren't playing their best basketball. But they, like, had their way with Florida State, who had been playing really well. Um, So, to me, I think if anyone could challenge Gonzaga, it's going to be Michigan just because of the scoring. Um, Baylor defensively, I think, poses the biggest problem for um Gonzaga overall. But it's also just been cool to see Oregon State, um, you know, a lower tier in Houston get this far. Um, I mean, the packs the Pac twelve has has been amazing. I and I never I never watch them. They're not on ESPN that much. And when they and it's, it's a weeknight, they don't start till too late for me to watch them anyway. I hadn't seen USC play. I mean, talking about draft picks, that Mobley kid's unbelievable. Yeah, if, he, if he's going to keep shooting threes like this, you know, if certain teams get the first pick, I, they have they have a real choice to think about. I think. Yeah, and I don't know how much you've been watching the women's side. I've been tuned into it um, pretty good. Um, shout out, Coach Joe one of my uh, friends who I uh, met at Canisius, one of the assistant coaches on Louisville. I've been watching them a lot. They're pretty locked in. Um, I was what, before we started recording, I was watching the UConn Baylor game. Um, and that was like a really good game. Uh, when I just checked a little bit ago, like it was really close. I actually think UConn was losing. Um, I actually just had a notification nine minutes ago that Baylor was um, up by two. So I don't know how close that game is now, but um, yeah, I've been really like, I've enjoyed the women's basketball tournament more, I think, this year than ever because I haven't watched it as much in the past. And I think this year because of COVID, 
I've had a little bit more of a peaked interest. I also just want to get your quick thought. I don't know if you've seen or I mean, I feel like you might have just because social media. Did you see all of the um, the differences between the weight rooms and the food and like the packages the men and women got for the NCAA? Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Also, also, what are they thinking scheduling this at the same time? Yeah, you know, so some of the same stuff we always say with the NHL, like you got to market if you want your sport to grow, you got to market it the right way. And I think I think there's more of a push right now among fans to watch the women's game more than any, at least among like, um, like the NBA and the men's side. They 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 definitely are trying to drive interest, but there's no, I mean, no basketball fan that's not directly involved with those programs is going to watch the women's tournament over the men's one. They're at the same time right now. I just don't. I well, why? There's seven days in the week. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, just don't get it. But I, I've caught some of it. Um, Paige Buckets on UConn is really fun. She's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I just – I talked about it on an episode I recorded last week. I just touched upon it. But I just think it's so – like, it, it just pisses me off because I think everyone's understanding that, you know, the men – like, as you just said, the why they're scheduling at the same time makes absolutely no sense. Um. And, like, I get, and I think everyone understands that the men are going to generate more revenue than the women's teams. That's just how it's been. It's how it is for the NBA. The only team that probably has a, like, legitimate gripe about it not being, like, equal pay and stuff, I think, is the women's soccer for USA because of how much better they've been than the men. Um, I feel like more people watch them than the men's team. But, like, it's just so ridiculous. You see the buffet of food that the men get and the giant locker rooms and, like, the full swag bag with 30 shirts and hats and, you know, socks and all this stuff, and the women get, like, a hat and a T-shirt, and they get food with just in containers, and their weight room's literally, like, two weight benches and a couple of yoga mats. And, like, the NCAA just, like, tries to kick it on the rug and act like no one's going to notice, and all they do is say, like, oh, I'm sorry, and add, like, three weight rooms in there or whatever. Like, I just think it's so, like, like, the NCAA is just so bad, and I just hope in the next few years, like, it starts to get changed. I don't think the revenue is ever going to change at all. I just hope that the women start getting more like airtime, you know, and get more promotions and just start getting treated fairly. Cause at the end of the day for NCAA, like they've always promoted that it's like, you know, academics first and they're student athletes, but yet they still go way out of their way to like promote men's sports and give the men way more than the women do when they're all supposed to be on the same ground, which I just think is complete bullshit personally. Yeah, I mean, you can just tell it's an afterthought for them. They make they made it pretty obvious, but they'll just blame COVID. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it won't happen again because it's a really bad look. But like you said, it just it's just a bummer that it happened in the first place because if it's like the the coolest you know time in these people's lives, they're not you know and they got they got to deal with this crap. Yeah, but you know, big episode today. It was really fun. Finally got to catch up after a few weeks with a lot of hoops talk. I think. You know, when we talk again in two weeks, we're going to have a lot to talk about the NBA just because I think by then we're really going to have a legitimate look at who's going to be in and who's going to be on the outside looking in for the playoffs. So I think we'll be able to get, you know, maybe we'll get to pick our top eight again for the conferences, maybe go through some NBA awards and then maybe, you know, pick, you know, the beginning of the playoffs or matchups we want to see. Um, so we'll definitely do that and when any other topics that we decide to come up with and i actually like to do um a draft again if we could we'll think of another idea because i think the fans really enjoyed that um based on the episode views we had a few weeks ago so we'll think of something for that too all right man sounds good talk to you then all right sounds good zach